Today on Hardwired. And there a war will begin that the Bible says the blood is as high as a horse's bridle for miles and miles and miles. It's inconceivable. And yet, mark it down, it'll happen. And Napoleon stood there and Napoleon said, the armies of the world could meet here and battle here. You are listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, the founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Maybe you've noticed that our culture is pretty messed up these days, which makes people feel anxious and filled with questions. They want peace, but have a hard time finding it or making it last. Well, Pastor Jeff is going to share in the message today about how you can finally be filled with hope, security, and most importantly, that peace you're looking for. We know that you're going to enjoy the message, but you can also listen to it again or any of the messages anytime you would like at our website, hardwired.org. Let's get right to the message. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up today on Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, as we continue through our series in the incredible book of Revelation, today we're going to be looking at the war of all wars. Nobody likes to hear about war. Nobody likes war. But the Bible predicts that there will be one last great, incredibly horrible war we know it as the War of Armageddon. And it's going to be happening, according to the book of Revelation, right before the return of Christ. So grab your Bible, something to write with, and let's jump right into the message, The War of All Wars. Tonight, we're going to talk about the mother of all wars, Armageddon. You got to deal with Armageddon at the end of the book of Revelation, because this is the last of the wars of the earth, and it is easily the worst. You think World War I, World War II, Korean War, whichever war you want to pick, they were horrible, terrible. I would not diminish any of them. But this one, Jesus said, if it's not ended, no flesh will be saved. At least in the two world wars, we had the homeland. We weren't touched. But the one that's coming, if Jesus didn't end it by his return, hallelujah, then all flesh would die. Very sobering thought. We're going to get right into Revelations 19. I'm going to be also getting into Revelations 20, which only leaves us two chapters after that. But we're almost done. But now we're getting out of the rough stuff and getting into the good stuff, except for the great white throne judgment. Oh boy. Scariest verses in the Bible for me. Now, last time we closed with the literal personal, visible, physical, and spiritual return of the same Jesus who ascended up into heaven in Acts 1.11. Amen. Same way he went up, he's coming back. Now, Revelations 19, starting at verse 11, let's see what John writes. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Now, here comes the return of Christ. Its rider was named Faithful and True. Who could that be? right? For he judges fairly and he wages a righteous war. I love this. His eyes were flames of fire. On his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the word of God. So we go right to John 1.1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God 
and the Word was God. The Word was God. The Logos, the Word, was Theos, God. So it's telling us Jesus was not less than God. I had somebody tell me recently, it's sad, because I've known him a long time. And they just let me know, I I just don't believe in the deity of Christ. Folks, I know I say this to you a lot, and I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm really not. But the Bible predicts an apostasy, a departure from the faith in the last days. The people that used to say, oh, yeah, I'm all in. Jesus, this, that, and the other. Hallelujah, glory to God, kumbaya. But they get to a point. Something happens, and they throw basic biblical truth away. If you get rid of the deity of Christ, what do you have? You've got another gospel. That's not the gospel. Because in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with Theos, God. And the Logos was Theos, God. All right? God the Son. So it's very sad to hear. But anyway, I've learned when I see these things happening, I know that my Bible told me they would. The Bible is my anchor. So I'm teaching you, if you come to this church, I'm going to teach you the centuries-old orthodoxies of the church, that meaning the foundational truths of Scripture. I'm going to tell you the Bible is the Word of God. It's not a book with some words of God in it. It's the Word of God from stem to stern, Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to tell you Jesus was God in flesh. I'm going to tell you he died on the cross for your sins and that only he can forgive your sins and deliver you from hell and escort you to heaven. There is no other way. I'm going to teach you. He's coming back someday. You can mark it down. Someday he's coming back. And so we're not going to throw these foundational anchors of the faith out. No. As a matter of fact, the rougher it gets out there, the closer I hold it. I hug it. Now, here's the deal. This is the event. He wore a robe dipped in blood, his blood, his title, the Word of God. So this is the event that John described at the very beginning in Revelations 1-7. You remember that? Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. Why will the nations mourn? because they'll see him and realize they were right. The gospel was right. And now I'm facing him in judgment, not in mercy. John's attention now turns from the vision of the mighty king of kings, followed by his heavenly armies, and you're in that army, dressed in white armies of heaven, to an angel standing in the midst of the burning sun. He summons the birds of prey. This gets serious now. He summons the birds of prey. Who does? This angel, capital So when I see a capital A, I'm thinking, this is Jesus. But he summons the birds of prey and the scavengers and vultures from all over the world to gather for the supper of the great God. What does that mean? Let's read it, verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky. Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared for you. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, strong warriors, horses and their riders, and of all humanity. Catch that? 
all of humanity, free and slave, small and great. What are they eating? These vultures. The bodies remaining from the slaughters of the armies of the world following the horrific battle of Armageddon. That's what they're eating. I don't like vultures. I love God's creation. I love birds. When I was a little kid, I started drawing birds. I was fascinated with them. They're such amazing little creatures. But I was never drawn to vultures. How about you? They even look bad. You know, they got that crooked neck. And, you know, as soon as you start going down, they're circling over your head. They're not thinking good thoughts when they're circling over your head. You know, and what God created them to do ain't cool, but it's necessary. When things die, something's got to get rid of them. So they do it. Better them than me, right? So they're eating millions of fallen soldiers and people that were killed in the Battle of Armageddon. And it gives us a terrible glimpse into the punishment hand of God on this final generation. Now listen carefully. How is Armageddon going to happen? The Bible is going to show us that the kings of the East, now I take that to be the Orientals, China, for instance, and combined Western forces of Antichrist are going to gather in the Valley of Megiddo for war. Now I wanted to show you one quick map, and you'll look up there and you see, I had marked there Megiddo. The Valley of Megiddo, I've been there. I've looked out over the Valley of Megiddo. It's a, it's a lush plain right now. It's, it's a beautiful thing to look at. But you see the Mediterranean on the left. There's the Sea of Galilee up above it to the north. Uh, Nazareth, uh, sort of uh, northeast. And um, then the West Bank, the infamous West Bank. You see Jerusalem way south of Megiddo. There's Israel. There's Tel Aviv. Now, where it shows Megiddo, there is a huge, lush valley. And the Bible says that when the War of Armageddon commences, that millions of soldiers are going to march from the east. They're going to cross the Euphrates River, and they're going to move down. They're going to meet in the valley where it says Megiddo. Antichrist will have his combined forces of the west. They will commence to the same place. And there a war will begin that the Bible says the blood is as high as a horse's bridle for miles and miles and miles. It's inconceivable. And yet it says it, mark it down. It'll happen. So there you go. And you know, Napoleon stood there and Napoleon said, not knowing he's prophesying, the armies of the world meet here and battle here. And little did he know, from your mouth to God's ears, because that's exactly what the Bible says. It will be a ferocious war. It will be a war. Well, let's read about it. The four angels who were bound at the Euphrates River are mentioned in Revelations 9, 13 to 16, where they are right now being held, held back. They're not allowed to move yet to dry it up. But their time has come when this war commences. And they will dry up the Euphrates. This shouldn't shock us because God dried up the Red Sea. God dried up the Jordan. God will dry up this. And they will cross over. 
Verse 13, then the sixth angel, I'm reading Revelation 9, 13 to 16, to take you back and give you a little refresher. This angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the golden altar that stands in the presence of God. And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. When will this happen? When the war of Armageddon commences. Then the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year, everybody say God's got a timing, were turned loose to kill one third of all the people on earth. Pastor Jeff will be back in a moment, but first I wanna share a couple of thoughts with you. Now, you may not be able to stay with us for the entire program, but don't worry. You can find the program at our website, hardwired.org, along with all of the programs from Pastor Jeff. Also, we regularly get emails and calls from listeners just like you who tell us how much the program means to them. But we would love to hear from you too. So let me encourage you to connect with us by calling 877-884-3111 or through the website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. Or call 877-884-3111. And now let's get back to Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. Now here comes the kings of the east. 200 million mounted troops. This massive army of 200 million men out of the east along with the combined forces of Antichrist in the west will be right on the verge of annihilating the human race when the trumpet blows and Christ comes back in the second advent. Jesus warned in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 24, 21, for then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world till now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, nobody would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. How will those days be cut short? By the sudden appearance of Jesus Christ. Now here's where we're gonna see how crazy the world has gone. How many of you think the world's kind of crazy right now? I feel like I'm in a lunatic asylum half the time. No, two thirds, no, three quarters of the time. How about all the time? We're in a lunatic asylum. Good is bad, bad is good, right is wrong, wrong is right. We can't think clear anymore, that is the lost. Many, many, a huge Americans, I believe, have been turned over to a reprobate mind, according to Romans 1. Boy, that's a teaching. I could go into that without even having to read it, because I read it so much, because Romans 1 is like the newspaper. It's amazing. But you talk crazy now, get this, when Christ appears, Behold, every eye will see him, those that pierced him. What do Antichrist and his forces and the kings of the east, and therefore, what do they do? They join together to fight the returning Messiah. Now, if I see somebody coming in the clouds, I ain't fighting them. Come on, everybody. Amen. If I see somebody descending from heaven in the clouds, I am on my face. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. But not these people. No, no. Look, verse 19, Revelation 19. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. That's insane. 
So clearly they will be insane. King David prophesied about this all the way back in Psalms 2, starting at verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, get this, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands in pieces and cast away their cords from us. In other words, we don't want them ruling over us. I don't want the Lord ruling over me. Get off my back. Get out of my life. I'm, I'm going to break your bands off of me. I'm going to cast your cords off of me. I don't want you cramping my style. I want to live the way I want. But look what verse 4 says. He who sits in the heavens shall have a good laugh. The Lord will hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure and fury. In other words, it won't go well for them when they decide to fight the Lord. The returning Lord quickly deals with them. Verse 20, the beast was captured. That's the Antichrist. And with him, the prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, he was captured. Miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshiped the statue. I've told you, Antichrist, political leader, the false prophet, a spiritual leader. This false prophet is going to be allowed by God to demonically perform miracles. And he will call fire down out of heaven like Elijah. But it's going to be fake, phony, satanic. But it will be a way that he deceives the citizens of the world by doing miracles in the name of the Antichrist. Really, you're seeing here a total counterfeit. Antichrist taking Christ's place and this false prophet taking John the Baptist's place. He points to Antichrist and he does miracles. But look what the Bible says. The beast and his false prophet thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Now, this is telling us the Antichrist and the false prophet are the very first human beings to ever enter the lake of fire. Lake of fire is not functional right now. The lake of fire is there. We got a call tonight on the radio. Where is hell? Is hell a real physical place? And I believe it is. I'll tell you why. Heaven's a real physical place. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, adorned as a bride for her husband, that we're all going to occupy who know Christ. That's a real physical place. So I have to believe that hell is physical. Now, where is it? I don't know. The Bible often talks about it being in the heart of the earth. The Bible always refers to it as down, not up. Heaven is always up in the Bible, and hell is always down. North, heaven is south. That's why I live in the south. You don't want to live in the north. Anyway, cheap joke. But here's the deal. I do believe it's real. I believe it's a real place. Where is it? I don't know if it's in the heart of the earth. I don't know where it is, but it's there. And if you think Jesus didn't talk about hell, you have to read it. Look what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2.8. Then the man of lawlessness, Antichrist, will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth, and destroy him by the splendor of what, everybody? Say it with me. His coming. 
So Antichrist is going to see him in the clouds, decide to fight him, and next thing he knows, he's toast. It's over. And they go to the lake of fire. Nothing is in the lake of fire right now. Well, where are people who are lost? Where are they? They're in Hades. They're in Hades, the place Jesus talked about, which is like a spiritual waiting room for those who are going to be judged at the great white throne judgment and will face eternal death. They're in Hades. The rich man went there. Please put some water on my tongue. Please let me go and warn my brothers who are still on the earth about this terrible place. And Jesus paints this picture, but it's high days. In the Greek language, it's not the lake of fire. The lake of fire is reserved for the end of the tribulation period. And the first ones thrown into it will be Antichrist and the false prophet. The Lord Jesus, no longer the gentle lamb, now appears as the lion of Judah. And he quickly disposes of the rest of the massive end time army. Verse 21, their entire army was killed, says John by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. What's the sword that comes out of his mouth? His word. He will speak and it will be done. And the vultures all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. I'm just reading the Bible. I know that's gross, but that's what it says. And it's here that the final chapter of mankind's bloody history comes to a close. A new era is about the dawn. Can everybody say amen? The Lord's going to rule the earth. What an incredible vision of hope for a new day. Amen? And as we're about to see, Satan's day is coming. Now, it's one thing Antichrist and false prophet to go in, but I'm going to watch Split Hoof go in. That is the devil, because he's being sent to the lake of fire as well. Amen. When Jesus appears to bring an end to the war of Armageddon, Watch this, there's going to be a worldwide judgment called the judgment of the nations. This is not the great white throne judgment. This precedes it. Jesus spoke of this judgment of nations in Matthew 25, 31 to 46. He used the illustration of sheep and goats. The sheep represent the righteous saved, and the goats represent the lost in Christ's illustration. And this distinction made between the two is in how they treated the needy, which Jesus presents as a way to authenticate their salvation. He's not telling us that their good works saved them, but that their good works attested to their salvation. The Bible never envisions a saved bench warmer that never gets involved in any kind of righteous works, good works. No. Bible doesn't see it, okay? So Jesus is about to tell us or or show us how God is going to address the sheep and the goats. When he, Jesus, finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. This is Matthew 25, 31 to 46, verse 32. Then all the nation will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep at his right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, enter, you are blessed of my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. 
Here's why. I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering in the cold and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. You know what he's describing here? What the Bible calls good work. These are works not done in your name or mine, but we do them in the name of Christ and as extensions of his love for these people. We appreciate you listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Every program we do has one main thing in mind, and that's to share the hope and good news of Jesus Christ to people who need to hear this message and hardwire the teaching into their daily life. That's what this ministry is all about. So if you've been encouraged by the message, we would love to hear about it. Pick up your phone and give us a call at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. Or go online to our website at hardwired.org. And be sure to bookmark the web address to your favorites folder so you can come back often. Also, would you consider getting on board with us as a faithful ministry partner? Your valuable contribution makes a big difference to us in helping to get the message of the gospel out through this program to people everywhere. Your generosity along with this ministry is reaching people in a way that you may never have the ability to do on your own. So jump on board as a hardwired partner by calling us at 877-884-3111 or go online to hardwired.org, 877-884-3111 or hardwired.org. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so very, very much. Have a great rest of the day and thanks for listening to Hardwired. Hardwired.